Hello, everybody. This is Charlie from Anthrax, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Turn it up. Anthrax loves you. Hey, this is David Ellison from Megadeth, and you are here with Iron City Rocks. Yo, this is Tyler from Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. Episode 446 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing the best rock, hard rock, and heavy metal talk on the net. Episode 446, we are pleased to welcome back to the the show for the second time, Tyler Bryant of Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. They have an album coming out October 16th. The album is called Pressure. The album, uh, as we talk about, um, includes some songs that were, you know, kind of pre-COVID, post-COVID. the first single called Crazy Days, I think, exactly the kind of song we need right now. It's a it's kind of a wind the windows down, um, feel good song, but the album has, I think, you know, influences on all the things going on in the world right now. So we talk about that, about getting into, uh, you know, releasing a new album with no ability to tour, um, and what's next for the band. I think a band that we're going to hear a lot from. Um, you know, totally upward uh, trajectory for Tyler Bryan and the Shakedown. So, we're going to play a little Crazy Days, get into that interview.
seems like we're back in the late 70s early 80s with the number of albums bands are putting out in, in, in succession now uh, it's I think you've put out two albums in the two years since you've been on the show uh, pressure is coming out later this this year um, aptly titled and, and I commend whomever came up with the uh, VU meter for the, t- the uh, cover because I think it really uh, kind of signifies 2020 uh, so perfectly yeah. um, can you talk ab- about you know where the songs came from relative to the pandemic and the social injustice in in the country. Kind of where I know some were post, some are pre. But can you talk a little bit about that? Well, you know, it's it's interesting. A lot of the songs that were written pre the world going mad mm-hmm. actually seem to be the ones that feel most relevant to the times right now. Like tomorrow, we're releasing a song called "Holding My Breath," which um, is it was a song that was written before anything, before any of this started. And it was just, it's a song about sort of anticipating better days, you know, because mm-hmm. people have been, people have been struggling since the beginning of time, you know? Yeah. And, um, there, I think the songs that have been written during the pandemic have been more, they've been more of the positive songs like crazy days where it's just trying to, I've felt a shift in my songwriting where I'm going, dude. I I can't write bummer songs right now. I have to try and I have to try and, and bring some sort of positivity into the into the equation because it's uh, there's enough you know there's enough negativity in the world right now. So that's that's kind of why we chose to lead off with Crazy Days as the first single, just because it didn't feel it didn't feel like time to just you know add to the add to the negativity. Yeah, it is a fantastic song. I had to admit, I know you were a big. Um, I recall in our, our previous conversations, you were a big Tom Petty fan, and I, I, um, I heard that song. I, I kind of harkened me back to. I think it was called "Listen to Her Heart" um, from Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it, it had such a fun feel to it. But when you listen to the lyrics, it's not. You know, sometimes when you when you you hear a song like that, you might think, okay, it's going to be kind of a just a fun party song. But the lyrics aren't throwaway. You know, and that's what's kind of cool 
uh, as a blues artist or, or you know somebody who might get you know kind of quickly labeled as a blues artist even though I think your music kind of ex- extends in many different directions the, the album yeah. you know other than maybe I think it was Misery doesn't it's not a yeah. heavy you know bring you down kind of of album um, which is neat and it's also not a guitar yeah. geek album obviously you're an amazing guitar player um, you know you you I think from the very early age people have, have kind of labeled you as one of the next gunslingers but you know it's tempered in the album where you, we all know from listening to it you're an amazing guitar player but it's not in your face these are very song oriented songs and that's commendable yeah well that's kind of the, the been the goal of the of the band you know for the last couple records it's like how can we how can we just have cool songs and then mm. it's like for us I feel for me personally I get so annoyed whenever the song feels like just an excuse to play a guitar solo. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of times these songs are written on acoustic instruments. They're written because it's like that. I heard Tom Petty say that one time. He's like, if you can't play it on an acoustic guitar, it's not a song. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's why why it's it's about the song first, and, and then you know if there's a, if there's a moment where the guitar can um, enhance. The overall song and the vibe, mm. then, then yeah, you better bet we take it. You know, well, if we if we get that opportunity, then for sure. You ever have an opportunity? Like I was listening to Crazy Days, and I, I saw you know some different arrangements you did on YouTube and things. But when you approach that song, okay, and, and you go to put a solo in it, and, and I would assume at this point you can kind of sense when songs kind of stand out as, as potential singles does that add stress when you're trying to put a guitar solo in it because you might think okay at some point a song like Crazy Days might become you know the synonymous Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown song that we close every show with or open every show with and and you know some of those guitar solos may become iconic Did you ever? does that ever creep into your thinking? you know it, occasionally it does um, but it, I, I don't really I don't know if that's a helpful way of thinking uh, right. for me because it's, you know, I, I, most of my favorite guitarists, it's, it's, you can tell that what they're doing is very instinctual, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and so it's, you know, I just kind of, you know, the, the song that was, that was kind of the, the scariest for me to put a solo on was Hold My Breath, um, because I just, I was so in love with the song. Right. And and Graham, like for example, Graham played the first solo in Crazy Days. That's him playing, um, okay. which is amazing. It's amazing. Um, and and I think I probably feel a lot of pressure whenever he takes a solo because I'm going, oh, the people on the record, they might think it's me. And then he plays something awesome, and then it adds more pressure to me because I'm yeah. going, well, Graham just played that. Now I have to like level up to that. And yeah. he did that on Crazy Days and on Holding My Breath. Which I think is also a cool thing, like because this is a band, and so to have that kind of band vibe on the first two singles, where it's like it's not just about me, it's about yeah the unit and the song. And but hold holding my breath was I definitely had those thoughts that you were describing because the the emotion in the entire recording was so strong that whenever it got time for me to do the outro solo, where the band is building up bigger than they've been the entire song. I was like, I have to like, I have to figure out a way to push it over the, over the top of the cliff here. And yeah. dude, I, I'm not even gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna pretend like I'm, like, like I'm some like incredible guitarist. I played that solo, 150 times. Not even exaggerating. <laughs> and and that was but I it. got the one. That 
and there's a million guitarists out there that are thinking thank you for for saying that and being honest about it um because you know i think a lot of times people think you know you know randy rhodes was just in the solo you know in the room doing the you know the takes for crazy train and ripped out that solo on the first try and the rest of us have spent our whole lives trying to make it sound that good um yeah it's good to hear you know um well, you, you know, know, it's like I got, I got a, a, I had a ton that would have worked and would have been, they would have sufficed, you know. Mm. Um, but it, I was, I was going for, like an improv moment of inspiration, and so it would be like, do thirty tries, try something different on each one, walk away, come back a couple hours later, try more, walk away, come back a few hours later, change the tone up, try more, try to find something that's gonna bring something out. And, yeah, do you get to uh, the point of, of like? Do you, do you get to the point of listening to different takes and starting to try to mentally piece them together? You know, like I, the first three bars of this song or the, this take, and you know, but then I like where I went on this take. And do you get do you get to that level, or do you try to keep it as a whole? You know, the the solo is kind of a whole moment of inspiration as is. I try. I try to keep it as a whole moment of inspiration. Mm-hmm. Every now and then, you do something accidental on a take that you go, "What was that? How do I do that? How did mm-hmm. I do that?" You know. And uh, so, it, I I definitely will keep a little notepad mm-hmm. handy. And and if I did something that I think is cool, then um, if nothing else, I'll write it down and then I'll go try to to learn it and figure out what I did. Right. You know. But that's the that's the cool thing is, you know, I I posted um, I posted an Instagram clip of me doing one of the solos from the record and then some kid some kid posted a video where he's playing it note for note and I just laughed because I'd go there's no way I could even play that again you know <laughs> I don't even know what I don't even know what was happening you know yeah that's got to be somewhat surreal it's it's always fun when you see you know uh, artists have to go back and look at the tab book for you know some old songs and things like that or you know YouTube and I've, I've heard other musicians say that that you know they'll go to YouTube and watch how they because it's been so long since they played a particular song or or what have you. Um, yeah. Do you find it when when you're approaching? Just one last guitar geek question, and then I promise no more. Um, when you're approaching like a solo, <laughs> does the tempo of the song? Um, are there certain you know things like you like to solo over maybe a faster tempo song, or, or the slower ones more challenging, or are they easier because they give you a little more room to breathe? Oh man, it just uh, it just depends on on what you're what you want to say, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, for for example, um, like a song like Misery, where it's where it's big and open, it's like almost you almost want to just say less and let the notes kind of to last a little longer, have them kind of take a little longer to get to where they're going, and mm-hmm. maybe hang there then a little longer than say a song like Automatic, where you know the the train is is going so fast that you think it's going to derail and then it's like all right cool you know bust out the big guns so it just depends on the vibe of the song and and what you want um what you want to say i normally try to i've I've told a a couple kids this before who are asking for pointer soloing it's like man just try to sing it in your head like figure out what you want it to do like even if it it sounds ridiculous most of the time and, and the guys in the studio will laugh at me because I'll I'll be listening to the track and I'll be going and they're like what are you doing dude but it's like you're you're just trying to hear I'm trying to hear like the the craziness that I want to exist in the speakers yeah. you know absolutely 
Yeah, I certainly understand. How helpful, I mean, from a, from a musical standpoint, especially being that you're, you're, I don't want to say saddled with singing, but you're the singer, so there, you know, therein lies you've got other things to worry about in a song. How helpful is Graham's, you know, playing, and and how do you kind of compare, contrast you two as players? Oh man, it's it's very very helpful. So we've been in the process of 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 learning the record, learning what we did, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's certain parts that that maybe I played on the album where it's like, hey man, um, you know, I wasn't really thinking about having to sing this, you know. And if you're thinking about a live sitting setting, then it's like, oh man, I want to be, able, I don't want to be tied to the microphone, you know. Here, I want to be able to run and, you know, do a solo and and perform and then come back to the mic. Can you take this this guitar line? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, sure. What did you do? Boom, and then he can do it. So he's he's definitely helping me carry the load up the mountain. Um, but he, I think, where we differ is Graham has, he has this, just attitude when it comes to, to playing rhythm. He's almost like part of the rhythm section where it's, you know, he, he's just he's got such an attitude. He's adding a tremendous amount of weight with the chords, um, underneath. So a lot, a lot of times, like I'll do a rhythm pass and it's, and it sounds cool, and then Graham will do one, and it's like, hey, just mute mine. It's in the way of his, just. Because he just he just plays with authority, um, which I I do as well. Um, but it's just different. He's got a, a personality all of his own, um, and sometimes it calls for that, and sometimes it calls for mine. So we we're we're not too precious about parts. It's just like, you know, I I, I can say to him, hey, I think I think you would sound better on this, and he can say the same thing to me. So it's it's kind of a team team effort. Yeah, and it's it's amazing how many artists that are successful in a multi-guitar band have that exact same attitude you know it's not always healthy when you have you know oh yeah you did that let me show you what I can do kind of kind of attitude and sometimes that that helps I'm sure there are times where you guys try to outgun each other I mean that's just human nature but you need to have that oh yeah humility to well, say well that's just fun you know yeah I don't think anybody's ever picked up a guitar once to try to outduel somebody but, um, well, you know, Graham solo on holding my breath. He was walking around my house with uh, with a guitar strapped on and, and playing that solo. Like he he pre written the solo out, mm-hmm. which he's really good at that. If I pre write a solo out, I I can hardly remember it. Um, so I have to I have to live with something for a long time to for it to sink in because it's just a I'm just I'm a very instinctual player. So it's just whatever comes out is what comes out. So. Do you in your but head he, though? He played his solo in like I'm three sorry. takes. <laughs> do you think in I said terms he did of? His solo in like three takes. Do you think in terms of scales and, and things like that when you're approaching, or, or is it to the point now where you've you know you don't need to think about that kind of stuff when you're you know I no, know a lot of people you know, you know that might be the smartest advice you give anybody there. Because mm. you sometimes I think you yeah, can get in I, your own I head. Never, I never learned them. With um. With this album, the first one you guys have gone in without Noah, did you have a conscious effort of how you were going to handle kind of the bottom end with the bass? Mm, we di- we didn't we we didn't really talk about it too much. Just I got a bass and we, we knew it was going to be me or Graham. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so we uh, I I played bass on all of the songs except for Backbone and. Graham, Graham was like, "Hey, dude, I'm playing bass on this one because I wrote the bass line." So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was it. Was just very. That, go ahead. 
No, 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 you're fine. Um, with with a band like yourself, you guys have been, I think, on a very nice trajectory as far as growth uh, and getting the word out about the band. Um, you know, you start to hear more and more buzz about you guys, and I think this album surely going to you know break through in even a bigger way. But um, the challenges of doing that when obviously you can't get on a bus and go out and, and get in front of a Guns N' Roses crowd or something like that. Um, obviously, everyone's got social media and things like that. Did you, did you did you guys have to have a lot of like management type meetings about how you're going to approach the actual release of the album and, and getting the kind of publicity you need? Yeah, yeah, that's a little daunting um, to think about, isn't it? Um, yeah. We've We've been we've been starting to try and figure some of that out. I think I think our management sort of looked at us in the beginning and was like, "What are you guys going to do?" And we were going, "We're going to go make a record." You know, mm-hmm. like everyone else, let everyone else do the live streams right now, and we'll do a record. And when, then when they taper off, we're going to have we're going to have an album, and then we can start doing whatever we need to do. So we're actually filming our first uh, full band show. It'll be our first full band show of the year to nobody but um, we're going to film it and basically have an album release show that'll come out and then we're just going to start kind of putting putting together concerts for whoever cares um, for after that and and my my whole thing is hey man let's make more records let's let's stockpile some albums that way whenever we can go back on the road we can just go and stay yeah yeah I know you guys have been kind of road warriors really from day one but it's interesting and when you look at you know what some of these bands streams can do when you think about okay you're going to go out and you're going to play even you know at the biggest you're going to play 60 70,000 people in in a stadium or you know maybe 2,000 people in in a theater or whatever but when you put these live streams out they're kind of snapshots in time forever and the amount of views you can get on those can sometimes be staggering compared to what you could actually get yourself in front of you know, hopping in a van and going all around the country. Um, yeah. Do you do you feel that kind of pressure when you're when you're thinking about doing a, a live performance to video like that, where it's like, you know, this could be, you know, people can go back and rewind this and hear every mistake, or, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I think obviously you guys are a band that need to be seen live to really be appreciated. I mean, they're great songs, but when you watch. You know the footage of you guys live. You're like a tornado, which is you know, really awesome to watch and entertaining from just a pure entertainment standpoint. Um, mm, yeah. But how yeah, do you do you think about doing that? Get that across. Yeah, it's um it's interesting to 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 think about how to get it across, and and um I don't know if I have an answer yet because we haven't we haven't done it yet, but we're mm-hmm. you know we're kind of treating it like like a like a show, like a real show. We're we're, the only difference is we're actually having to buy the lights <laughs> and stuff rather than getting paid by a venue. We're we're basically buying the lights and and you know bringing all this all the sound equipment and setting up our own venue for for our fans so that they can hopefully have the experience from their homes. But yeah. the coolest part is it's not like us just driving to Pittsburgh and playing for the people of Pittsburgh, we can mm-hmm. play for the people of Pittsburgh while playing for the people of Paris, France. Yeah, that's exactly. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I was I was actually talking to a, a you know a very young band about that you know the opportunity you put that out and 
okay, maybe people don't know who you are, but you know, with a matter of a couple of clicks, you could be in Denmark or you know Dallas, Texas, um, you know, and you can reach an audience quicker. You know, I mean, you know what it's like to be on the road and how much effort that is to get from city to city to pay for you know particular crowds. I mean, obviously the you know that's expensive. In, in hear any musician say that at any level is it's expensive to go city to city and you start to look at okay I do this video it's a one-off thing and I might be able to reach half a million people you know that's a yeah. it's an exciting opportunity even though it's not the same obviously I mean you, you're an artist who obviously feeds off the energy of a crowd and sometimes with a camera it's obviously not going to be the same thing yeah, I know. I know. I just, uh, I was, I kind of, I told my wife, I was like, maybe you can come, so I'll have someone I want to impress. <laughs> now, would that be hard? Yeah, I, I mean, as a married person, I, is that some, is that interesting when you have like family in in the crowd? Does that make you perform differently? Do you think subconsciously or even consciously? Oh, to- yeah, totally. I mean, we did a show with uh, Guns N' Roses in, I want to say it was in Oklahoma, and that's close to where that family in Texas is from, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my dad and sister came out to the show, and I was so nervous. It's like I'm going out in front of, you know, twenty or thirty thousand people, and I'm nervous about the two people that I know. You know? Yeah. So yeah, thing. it's a head trip whenever you have family there, because they know you. They're not getting, they're not getting the, the rock star. Yeah. You know, idealistic version of you. They're, they know you. You know? Yeah. See, the rest of us are nervous that you're you're out, you know, an hour away from Slash coming on stage. But you know, dad dads can make you nervous as well, and that's that's a that's a great point. Well, Tyler, I want to wish you guys all the best with the album Pressure. Hopefully, we'll we'll have you in Pittsburgh or Western Pennsylvania as soon as humanly possible. I know you've been through the area a lot over your career, um, and I think I said I think this album is very well poised to take you guys to a, a certainly another level, and then. It should be commended. It's a great record, and uh, we look forward to getting past all this crap in 2020 and seeing you soon. Yeah, well, hey, man, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me on, and uh, and, I, and I look forward to seeing you when we're in the area. All right, a big thank you to Tyler Bryant. Again, the new album drops October 16th. It's called Pressure. If you're listening to this uh, roughly around the time it's released, we'll be within days. Uh, you can get the album. I know they're doing some signed copies on his website. Uh, if you go to ironcityrocks.com, we'll have a link to Tyler Bryant's website. All the information you need to get the album. Really, uh, I think a great collection of songs. I think this band has nowhere to go but up. I expect big things from them in the future, so check them out. Again, ironcityrocks.com. You can find info on the show. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. Uh, we're on all those websites. They're all forward slash ironcityrocks. Or you can drop us an email at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. Talk to you next time.